You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We have spent the last several weeks discovering what it is that God can move us through difficult times and how God can do that. Today, we want to deal with disappointment. Disappointment is a common experience of life. There are many things in life that disappoint us. Events disappoint us. You plan and anticipate going to see something. You work hard and you buy the ticket and then you go and it's not at all what you expected it to be and you're disappointed. Things disappoint us. They wear out if they're not broken before you get them home. But above all, What we're most disappointed by or in are people. People who let us down, who are unreliable, who don't don't appreciate it when we've done something for them, who will tell you one thing and do another, who will hurt you intentionally or unintentionally, like a broken promise or a misunderstanding. But to live in this life, you have to deal with people, especially people who disappoint you. And if anyone were a pro at learning how to deal with people, it's a man named Moses. Moses knew how to deal with disappointment. He was the most patient man in his day. For no man put up with more complaining, which seemed to be the favorite pastime of the Jewish people at that point in their history. They would challenge his leadership, doubt his decisions, criticize and question his motives. At one point, they said, Moses, you just brought us out into the desert for us to die. And you wonder if Moses ever thought, is this what I get? Is this the thanks that I get? The incident we're going to look at today is a water problem. The Israelites had many water problems. The first water problem was that they had too much, as in the Red Sea. How are we going to cross this thing? A future water problem was that they didn't have any water, and they were searching for water. But another problem with water, and what we're going to see in our text today, is that they came to a town and found water, but it was too bitter to be able to drink. So let's delve into our passage for today. It comes to us from Exodus chapter 15. Here's where we begin. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. And they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah, which means bitterness. For Moses and the Israelites, this was a difficult situation. And from it, we learn three facts about disappointment. The first thing we learn is that the greatest successes in life are often followed by failure. Count on it. The greatest successes in life are often followed by failure. Notice that it had only been three days since they had that victory at the Red Sea. They were flying high. It was a mountaintop experience. In the first part of this very same chapter, Exodus 15... They sang a song of praise. You heard a portion of it as our call to worship. 
God has delivered us. What a, what a great day this is. What a great God we serve. And therefore, we're kind of unbeatable and, and invincible. Three days later, where is that sense of accomplishment now? So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? They're grumbling. They're murmuring. In fact, after every mountaintop is always a valley. We're going to return to this Exodus passage in just a moment, but I want to fast forward 40 years. 40 years from this event, they are about to enter into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And the largest, most significant city in the land of Canaan is a town called Jericho. To make a long story short, they march around the city and its walls fall. It was a tremendous victory. With God's help, they defeated the largest enemy in that country. The very next week, they go up against the city of Ai. It's it's spelled A-I, but it's pronounced Ai. Trust me, it is. Because you don't know any better, and I'm saying that it is. But A.E. is a nothing kind of town. It's not anywhere close to the size and stature of Jericho. It's this dinky little town. And what happens when the Israelites go up against it? They're defeated. Why? Because they strayed from God's way. They got a little cocky, a little too confident in their own abilities. That's true of life, isn't it? It's the AEs of life that get us. In the big crises in life, we kind of know where to turn. You know, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your help. We go to God. But in those little problems of life, the daily irritations, we get brazen and we think, I can handle this. Have you had a huge success in life? (laughs) Watch out. It's true that the greatest successes in life are often followed by failure. Now we have to ask, why did God lead them to Mara in the first place? Well, according to verse 25, we'll see that in just a second, God led them to Mara, this bitter disappointment of a place, to test their reaction. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Here's what he's testing. Do they really trust me? Notice, it didn't say that about the Red Sea crossing. It doesn't say that God tested them there. God just opened up the waters for them that day. You see, it's God's character that was revealed at the Red Sea. It's man's character that's revealed at Marah. God's character is revealed in the big incidents of life. Human character is revealed in the daily irritations, in the tight spots. What does disappointment say about you? How do you handle it? How do you handle discouragement? How do you handle disappointment? The greatest successes in life are often followed by failure. So the second thing we learn about disappointment is that the greatest services in life are often followed by forgetfulness. Israel had such a short memory It had been just three days since crossing the Red Sea. They experienced this incredible miracle, but three days later, at the first sign of trouble, they're already doubting. They're criticizing, and they're ready to give up. 
I think their motto was, when in trouble, take it out on Moses. It stinks to be him. (laughs) One moment a hero, the next a zero. One moment he's the star, the next moment he's the scapegoat. Yet he never gives up. Have you noticed how some people forget things quickly? It's human nature. We forget how quickly something that just happened. Some of you are in a job right now, and the key question is, what have you done for me lately? You may have saved the company last year, but what are you doing now? You may have been top salesperson last month, but what are you doing this month? The greatest services in life are often followed by forgetfulness. Children forget their parents. Bosses forget employees. Spouses take each other for granted. Northwestern University did a study that the average homemaker in their lifetime will make 35,000 meals and 40,000 beds. Is there anyone in your life that you've taken for granted? Husbands, do you encourage your wives Wives, you encourage your husbands. The greatest services in life are often followed by forgetfulness. Who are you taking for granted? A spouse, an employee, a friend, a boss, a church leader or teacher? So what do you do when you're disappointed in someone? What do you do when they let you down? Well, we look at Moses' life and we're going to see two things that he didn't do and two things that he did do. First, he didn't strike back. He didn't retaliate or try to get even. You know, that's the typical reaction for most of us when we're faced with this kind of a situation. If we were Moses, we might have said, okay, guys, good luck finding your way back to Egypt. I'm going on to the promised land. Forget you. What do you do when you're offended? Most of us have a tendency to be pretty inventive at those moments when we're disappointed. In fact, sometimes I think in resentment, we're at the height of creativity. Boy, we are going to get them back. But taking a cue from Moses, he didn't strike back. And the second thing he didn't do was nurse the hurt. He didn't feed it. He didn't fuel it. Human nature says when we are hurt, we want to draw up into a hard, protective shell. And I'm not going to let anybody approach me again. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul had said that? He was disappointed by many people in his life. But do you ever see Paul saying, that's it, I've had enough, forget it. Peter and I are at odds. John Mark has walked out on me. Forget it, I'm going home. I'm going to go watch American Idol. Or or can you imagine Jesus doing that? He returns home early, that is, before he goes to the cross, and an angel says, Lord, what are you doing back? He said, well, I had a bad experience. I wasn't appreciated. In fact, there were a lot of people on earth who didn't like me. I decided to throw in the towel and just come home. If you're trying to please everyone, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You simply cannot please everyone. I don't even please myself a lot of the time, much less everyone else. When you're disappointed, it doesn't help to strike back or retaliate. You don't rehearse it over and over, getting it bigger and bigger in your mind. So what do you do? Well, what did Moses do? At verse 25, we saw a portion of it. We saw the tail end of verse 25. 
The people had been grumbling against Moses. They, they were upset at him. No doubt he was disappointed in them. So what does Moses do? We're going to go back and see the very first part of verse 25. Moses cried out to the Lord. That's what you do. You give it to God. You let him have it. You let it go. Moses cried to the Lord. You know what we're so good at when someone has wronged us? We'd much rather talk about that person than to that person. And I'm guilty of that as well. So our passage instructs us, instead of holding a pity party, instead of gossiping to other people about your boss at work, or instead of trying to line up everybody on your side, first, bring it to the Lord. And the second thing you do is you let God reverse it. You let Him turn it around and bring good out of it. Let me illustrate this point best by another Old Testament character's life. It's the story of Joseph. If you remember his story, he has 11 brothers who, again, long story short, they have had enough of him and they gang up on him, throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. For the next 40 years, Joseph's life is a mess. Some advancements, but mostly Scandal, false accusations, imprisonment, separation from family. All because some people wanted to hurt him intentionally. But God had a plan for Joseph's life far greater than even the hurt. And he rose to a position of power in Egypt where he was able not only by the end to save his own family, but to save the entire nation of Israel. Look at what he said or listen to what he said at the very end of Genesis when he met his brothers again. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. There are people who will hurt you in life, sometimes accidentally. Sometimes on purpose. They want you to fail. They want you to blow it. They want you to lose your job. There are people like that in the world. But God can still bring good out of any situation. Even the bad, yes. Even when people want to hurt me, yes. Even in the disappointments, yes. Because it's all father filtered. Moses handled the situation the right way. He didn't nurse it. He didn't rehearse it. He didn't strike back. He gave it to God. And look what God said. Or look what God did, in fact. Then Moses cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Other translations even uses the word tree. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. It was a miracle that happened there. Moses found a a tree in the desert and threw it in the, the stream, the creek, the well. And God made that bitter water sweet. Notice that it says the Lord showed him a piece of wood. It doesn't say that God created it there on the spot. It already was there. Suggesting that had Moses been so caught up in his self-pity, not paying attention to the Lord, he never would have seen the solution to his disappointment right in front of him. You see, as long as I'm wallowing in my hurt, nursing it and rehearsing it, I can't see God's solution to my disappointment. 
The people, they surely weren't going to see it. They weren't about to pay attention to God. They were too busy grumbling in their misery. So there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And finally, and this is the third thing we learn about disappointment, is that the greatest shortages in life are often followed by fullness. Look at the very next verse. They left Mara, then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. It's an oasis. There are springs and palm trees. They're in Florida. Believe me, to find 12 springs and 70 palm trees in the middle of the Sinai Peninsula is a miracle. No doubt about it, this was paradise. A place of absolute delight with more than enough water. If you would... To read, if you were to read just a few more verses into the next chapter, you find that they spent over a month in that place. 42 days eating as much as they wanted, being refreshed by as much water as they wanted. This was good stuff. The greatest shortages in life are often followed by fullness. The question I think important at this point is this question. How far is Elim from Mara? How far is this place of delight from this place of disappointment? Seven miles. Elim is seven miles from Mara. It was right around the corner. It's just right down the road. But they stopped at Mara. And they're complaining and griping and being negative and worrying and criticizing Moses when Elim is just seven miles away. Just around the corner is enough food and water to refresh them for days. Just a little further along is this abundance and they're complaining and they're ready to give up. What's the point of the story? Why is it in the Bible? Because I think too often we stop at Mara, we get discouraged and disappointed, and it's bitter and we don't like it. And the message is don't quit. Elim is just around the corner. So what about us? How do you go from Mara to Elim? How do you get from this place of disappointment to this place of delight? How do you get from this bitter experience where all seems dried up and there's nothing to drink and in the middle of a desert, how do you get from there to paradise? The answer is you just keep going. You keep going, moving on, trusting God. Notice in the text, it doesn't say that God moved Elim to them. Notice also, God knows exactly where Elim is and he knows exactly where his people are. But God doesn't say, okay, look, they're here, paradise is over here, so I'm just going to move paradise. I'm going to do this miracle and move paradise these seven miles closer to them. Bring this oasis to them. 
That's not what happens. They get there by keep going on in spite of how they felt. So what do you do when you feel like giving up? You're disappointed. You're discouraged. Where you are right now is pretty distasteful. You don't like it. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a dream. I've heard people say, I don't feel like praying or reading my Bible or going to church or tithing my money or getting involved or trusting. So what should I do? Simple. You keep on praying and giving and trusting and going to church and reading your Bible. But my heart isn't in it. If you were to wake up tomorrow morning, or let's say Tuesday if you're off tomorrow because of Labor Day, and you call your boss at work and you say, I know that you want me to be wholehearted into my work. I know you want me to, to give my all at work, but here's the thing. I want to be honest with you. My heart's not in it today. So I, I don't feel like coming in. And I know you don't want me to be a hypocrite, so I'm going to stay at home today and watch TV or maybe grab a book and sit on the couch and eat chips, and I'll come back when I'm ready, Okay. The fact of the matter is, most of what gets done in this world is done by people who don't feel like it. This morning, you may feel like you're living in Mara. It's bitter and distasteful, and it stinks. Your needs aren't being met, and where you are is a very difficult situation. Maybe it's a financial Mara that you're going through. Maybe it's an emotional, bitter experience. Maybe it's a physical mar and you're having to live with constant pain. Maybe it's a spiritual mar and you feel dried up inside. Well, I have good news for you. You have not missed God's will. Mara is on the map. God knows exactly where you are right now. The issue is how long are you going to stay there? God led them to Mara when Elim was only seven miles away. They could have gone straight there. But he led them to Mara to test their maturity. But God is going to lead you through whatever it is you're going through right now just as surely as he led them out of their disappointment. The greatest successes in life are often followed by failure. The greatest services in life are often followed by forgetfulness. The greatest shortages in life are often followed by fullness. And Elim is just down the road. So as something that was once sweet in your life turns sour, and you don't like the taste of it, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your job. I just can't stand it anymore. I hate it. I, I hate getting up and going to work. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship. So what are you going to do about it? Well, according to today's scripture, you don't strike back. You don't retaliate. Quit trying to get even. Don't rehearse it. Don't go over and over it in your mind, getting it bigger and bigger. You don't nurse it. Instead, you let God have it. Moses cried to the Lord, give it to God. God will use that disappointment in your life if you let him. Some of you may be saying, I got burned. I got burned badly, and I will never, ever let another person or another thing or another event burn me again. 
So you build a wall around your life and you live like it's in a shell. It's no way to live. You're not really living, you're just existing. And that's not God's will for you. So what is God's solution to your bitterness? It's a tree. Just as God used a tree thousands of years ago to turn something bitter into something sweet, God used a tree on Mount Calvary and Jesus hung on it. It's the cross. And he died there to save you from your sins and your bitterness and your guilt and your regrets and the disappointments of your life. Here is someone who will never, ever, absolutely, positively, ever let you down. And his name is Jesus. Open your life to him. Let Jesus Christ heal that hurt that problem, that resentment, that bitterness that you've experienced in your Mara. You say, look, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Remember, Elim is right around the corner. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.